Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The mayor of Chicago had himself a nutty kind of uh kind of fell apart there it was weird Brandon Johnson the uh is he a socialist the progressive mayor of Chicago Chicago had an opportunity to to try something new nope they went more left than uh than what's her name I, for, I actually forgot her name. I feel good about that. Lori Lightfoot. They went more left. And while this new mayor, who has seen more crime and more danger, he believes that the problem is, of course, Republicans. That's so... So bold, so brave, and so bold. And in a very, very odd statement, made his claim that the reason cities have problems is because, well, Republicans caused them. Allow me to share this with you. Better coordination. You know, what we've seen is a very raggedy form um, instituted by right-wing extremism. Um, everyone knows that the right-wing extremism in this country has targeted democratically ran cities. And quite frankly, uh, they've been very intentional about going after democratically ran cities that are led by people of color. And their whole motivation is to create disruption and chaos because that's what this, that particular party has been about. Right, this is the same political party that did not want to accept that President Obama was actually an American. It's the same Republican right-wing extremism that stormed the Capitol. It's the same right-wing extremism that refuses to accept the results of the Civil War. It's raggedy. It's disrespectful. It's mean-spirited. It's an unclean spirit, quite frankly. And so, so I got you. I got you. I just want to make sure that people understand what we're facing. That's why it's so important that the faith community is leaning in in this moment doesn't accept the results of the Civil War. The right wing is part of the reason you... Republicans were the abolitionists. (sighs) Is it really worth the lesson, people? That's a lot to throw out there. And yet doesn't explain to the mom of two why her other two children are dead doesn't keep a city clean. It doesn't stop the theft from CVS or a bunch of other stores. It doesn't stop the pot smell all across the city. Uh, It was was the day after Thanksgiving, and we were like, maybe, you know, living in Indiana, we'll drive up, we'll spend a weekend. Some great museums, and there is some great stuff in Chicago. We're like, "Eh, maybe, maybe this isn't the, the weekend to go. No, 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 no. And a little bit of that behind the right, right behind the uh, the the brain there, back of the head, was the issues of Chicago. Now maybe Chicago gets a bad rap for these things, but it can't get better if the blame is on everyone else except your own policies. It is the same mayor here 
Brandon Johnson, who will not accept, well, you can't call things a riot when kids engage in riots and, and mobs and flash mobs and, and theft and everything else. No, 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 you can't say that. That is, that is offensive to these kids. They believe somehow if you don't pay attention to the problem, the problem goes away. But when the problem doesn't go away, they go about blaming others for their problems. If the city was run by Republicans, you could be discussing the failure of Republican-run cities. But that's, that's not what's happening here. This is about whether or not we accept the idea that people are responsible for their actions. This is about what it is that we want. And for all of us living in Chicago or not, you'd want a better Chicago because just as a matter of of statement, you would want it to be a a safer, happier place. And you would want that for Los Angeles and New York. And you would want it for San Francisco. You would want it for Atlanta, Georgia. You would want it for Dallas, Texas. You would want it. That's just a rational statement. Well, these things only come if one has a standard. So I'm a big believer in the concept of standards. One has to have a standard, one has to have a philosophy. And I received a a phone call, because you know you, you can call uh, the number 833-GOT-TONY, you can call any time and, and, and leave a message. And I have some people who leave me messages all the time. There are some people who tell me that I'm way too Trump supportive, and then there are people who tell me I'm not Trump supportive enough. It's hilarious. Same subject, same thing I talked about. They all hear what they want to hear. And so I get a, a couple of people who think that they have to lecture me. They, they're really going to show me the right way. Sure. Well, you can't show me the right way if this is your philosophy. This is a conversation about Trump. It's a conversation about the kind of candidate we want. And this, this was the call. This was the message that I got. Uh, this was towards the end of it. So you may not agree but I don't think they do anything good for America first. And that's the only thing that matters, not conservatism. Uh, William, William F. Buckley and Limbaugh are dead, and so is conservatism. It's America first, man. Have a good morning. Bye. Nope. Just, I mean, maybe this needs to be said to everybody. But if you think I'm going to be the America first guy, and not be a guy with a basis in an actual, understandable, studyable concept known as conservatism, you're out of your damn mind. You're nuts. No, I'm not interested in idol worship. Thank you very much. Buckley and Limbaugh are dead. There is so much telling in the, in this argument. Just like there's so much telling from the mayor of Chicago who refuses to take any responsibility and wants to blame others. The idea that Buckley and Limbaugh are dead can be seen as the same conversation of why in the world are we following the Constitution? It's like 100 years old. Uh, that actually got said a few years back. Uh, that, that, was, that was one of the great statements uh, put, put, put out there the first time I heard it. Um, Buckley and Limbaugh understood that one has to have a basis, a basis for things to happen. Why do we believe what we believe? Why does the conservative believe what the conservative believe? What, by nature, are they trying to conserve? 
The conservative agenda, the conservative philosophy will, of course, bring about a better America because the the ideals within create and push for and laud and, and move about prosperity, which is, of course, something we would all agree on. Conservatism is based on study and it's based on practice and practice. You could argue practicality. It's based on this open uh, debate of, of, of theories that has gone through and tested. Now, you could argue that there have been, quote unquote, conservatives who have let you down. Weak, weak men and women who were only in, in it for a couple of bucks and a free cruise. Uh, hey, Bill Crystal, and never, never actually willing to fight. One can make that argument. Funny, I have. But I'm going to throw out the philosophy for the cultist. You're out of your damn mind. When I voted for Trump in 2016, it was because, as I've stated before, it was a bet. The bet was I couldn't get anything with Hillary Clinton. I had a 50-50 shot with Trump. I went with the odds. That's what the smart person does. I would argue that's what the conservative does, which is why I have argued that the never-Trump position is the most non-conservative position I have ever witnessed. Ever. Never Trump? No. Never communism? Yup. Never communism is clear. Never Trump is ridiculous pablum to try and get people to sign up for your newsletter. Trump governed as a conservative. You didn't like the way he talked. Okay. Honestly, I don't care if you liked it or not. Jonah Goldberg, Bill Kristol, David French. I don't give a damn. What's wrong with you? The policy created better opportunity because the policy came from what? Conservative thoughts, conservative process, conservative policy. This is obvious. Trump's not a conservative. I understand this. Trump's not a conservative. But when he was president, the policies were. And they were worthwhile in the main. Well, nothing's perfect. You're not going to find perfect. America first is predicated on idol worship. It's predicated on Trump as the only one. That's not sustainable. That's not an anti-Trump statement. That is an anti-America first supporter statement. Thinking that somehow conservatism is dead and this is better. You don't have that. You sound like a freak. And it is obvious that I don't even want you on my side because nobody who's willing to throw out the history and the factual nature of conservatism is somebody who can honestly be trusted with the vote. Now that's pretty harsh stuff. Tony, that's not bringing people in uh, to to the party. That's very, very exclusionary. You want me to try it another way? I'll, I'll try it another way. Um... Idol worship is wrong. And America First is about idol worship. No thank you. I don't, I'm sorry, there's no other way to say that. It's an insane thought. Conservatism is dead. They told me this when Trump got elected. You know what I said? Nah, I'm right here. I am right here.
reading my Burke and reading my Locke. And I am right here engaged in conversations of, of, of liberty and the Liberty Society over the Freedom Society. And I am right here uh, discussing these very, very important issues and the importance of rights and the importance of standards and the importance of protecting them, conserving uh, these things, the importance of parents, the importance of parents being able to have a say in their kid's education, parents dictating their child's education, that you don't have to have this public education insanity. As a matter of fact, we didn't have until, what was it, the 1800s? The late 1800s, you had uh, these people in Massachusetts saying we need public education and has done nothing but destroy kids for the past at least 100 years. We don't have a better society because of it. So therefore, the parent has to be always the one in charge. And now you have these unions that are opposed to the parents being in charge. That is what we fight against. Because what we want to conserve is an actual valuable education, not indoctrination and a recognition of why the United States creates value based on its theory and philosophy. These are good things. These are important things. I think we should be supporters of these things. I don't think we should be supporters of idol worship. And people who want to say that America first is somehow uh, uh, the value instead of conservatism, they're not actually saying anything. What they're saying is, I'm an idol worshiper who wants Trump and only Trump, and only Trump can do it. If Trump were to lose in 2024, would you run him in 2028? Uh, assuming he's still alive. Well, he's 77. I mean, it's, it's an okay thing to say. You would run him in 2028, wouldn't you? And if he didn't win in 2028, you would run him in 2032, wouldn't you? Well, of course you would. Because that's what an idol worshiper would do. You willing to change idols? Well, now you're not talking about America first. You're talking about a philosophy, right? And being able to move that philosophy down the line. So why is it that Ron DeSantis can't move that philosophy down the line? Because when you take a look at policy in Florida, he's done it. Oh, he's part of the establishment. Okay, we'll go back to the idol worship thing now. This is madness just like the mayor of Chicago is engaged in madness. There has to be standards and then the application of those standards, a theory and then the application of that theory. If we want to argue the value of Trump, it is the ability and the willingness to fight these abusive, nasty people who think that they should be able to dictate every part of your life and that they can punch you in the face and you're not allowed to do anything back. That's the lesson learned. And it's a good lesson. It's an important lesson. And not enough Republicans have figured it out. They certainly haven't figured out how to use it uh, for themselves. But as I've stated from the beginning, the thing to learn from Trump is this level of fight and then have people who can apply it. But you need more people doing it. What I get is a guy saying that all these other people don't matter. Only this one guy matters. You are just four seconds away from wearing a robe and drinking Kool-Aid. Wait, you're already in the robe. Three seconds away. I'm going to vote for the person who can win. I'm not so sure Trump can win uh, a general. But if he's the nominee, I'll vote for him. 
If it comes to my state of Indiana and my choice is Trump or DeSantis, I'm going to vote for DeSantis. Just so you know. I also voted for Cruz over Trump in in the primary in 2016. I might lose. That's okay. And then I'll hope Trump wins the general and I'll talk about it. But America first over conservatism when I know that that value system provides something, creates something, offers something, and delivers? Conservatism over idol worship every day of the week. And the people who aren't down for that, you sound like the mayor of Chicago. I'm Tony Katz. Look, it is not a right to be a member of Congress. The media will always remind me of that every time I talk to them. But it is a privilege, a privilege that you work hard for and you get elected to Congress as a privilege to represent those who have chosen you. Madam Speaker, I think we can all agree that due process matters and that we should all be very concerned about the way that we are conducting this process. I ask that all my colleagues in the House consider and understand what this means for the future and to set the record straight and put this in the record, I will not be resigning. And with that, I yield back the balance of my time. That's George Santos, uh, the Republican from New York, who will get expelled uh, from the House. Speaking uh, there, of course he's not going to resign. What's the point? He's got on this this red blazer and the the blue sweater vest. Uh, he's got the collar is showing. He looks like the two a.m. Mater D from the Golden Nugget Subway on Fremont Street. Just a just a it's it's sad. It is an ill fitting. Honestly, this is a guy who likes to talk about his yacht all day, and uh, he he doesn't he doesn't have a boat. He doesn't. He doesn't even have a dinghy. He's got, which I'm sure is an allegation made. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. He's going to get expelled. And then there will be a special election. And there's a whole conversation about who could uh, replace him. I thought that the governor got to appoint somebody. Not the case in New York. It would trigger a special election. It would take a place, it has to be called within 10 days of the vacancy and then held 70 to 80 days later. So in three months, uh, there would have to be a special election. And there are Democrats who are going to run for this thing, including former, possibly former state, uh, former uh, federal representative uh, Tom Suzy, S-O-U-Z-Z-I, a Democrat. And there is a Republican or a person being floated as a Republican um, who is a Nassau County, New York legislator, Mozzie Melissa Pilip, P-I-L-I-P. I don't know anything about her. Served in the Israeli Defense Forces. Born in Ethiopia, airlifted to Israel as a child. Served in the IDF, now lives in New York. Yes, that is somebody that Republicans could run. And now does that become a bellwether? Uh, election like like it would be an off season an off uh, uh, election and it would get a lot of attention this is Tony Katz today
Hollywood to the rescue. They are going to keep peace around the globe, specifically bringing peace to the Middle East, and they're going to do it via hunger strike. Just, you know, not all at one time. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. That's where you find all the things. Cynthia Nixon is an actress, uh, famous for Sex in the City and really nothing else. Now, sometimes one show is enough. One show can be all that it takes. But when people take a, a level of celebrity and decide that somehow it's, it's valuable across the spectrum, I think that's, that's kind of that's nutty. Well, I have this platform and I have to use it. And then they get themselves wrapped up into that. And I'm not here to tell people to shut up and dribble, uh, except if your name is Cynthia Nixon. It's only because your politics are really ugly. I mean, a pure obscenity is, is your progressive politics, is, is your communist want. It's ugly stuff. It's ugly like the people there uh, in, in Oakland. Oh, yeah, I, I was, I've been talking about this. In Oakland, California, uh, they uh, wanted to pass a, a, a resolution um, condemning the violence, right? It, it, was, it, was, um, it was quite clearly an attack on Israel. And someone said, uh, we should uh, call Hamas in this uh, pushing for a ceasefire. We should admit that Hamas is a terrorist organization. And the people of Oakland said, how dare you? There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. All right, let's just stop for a moment. That is a grown woman saying that Israel murdered their own people. This this level of denialism should be met with, are you out of your damn head? It's what it should be met with. If we were an honest society, that's what we would do. If President Biden would do that, if, if uh, professors would do that, what a better society we'd have. No, no, no. This gets stated and people don't go, you're out of your head. It's clearly a lie. We see the video. We know this to be true. So why do they do it? Because... They don't believe in Israel's existence. It's just a reminder of this. And after Israel comes Western civilization. So the whole canary in the coal mine conversation really applies here. Oh, and they weren't done. Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. They're a terrorist organization who in their charter say they want to destroy Israel. They're the genocidal ones. Why is it wrong to notice? And why, young 20-something, are you wearing a mask? She's wearing a mask. And so is this one. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. The armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. What is this? So you're saying that Hamas represents the Palestinians, which is funny because there was so much talk about Hamas not representing the Palestinians. And that was the problem. You want to go after Hamas, but what about these poor Palestinian people? Now you're stating for the record that Hamas is the Palestinians. I cannot keep up. And it's the reason uh, being I can't keep up, but like you can't keep up is because these people are so wholly ignorant. Who could keep up with that ignorance all the time? Oh, and they, uh, she was wearing a mask too. Now, by the way, there are reasons people wear masks. I saw um, 
uh, Steve Scalise, uh, he gave a statement and then put a mask on. I didn't know if he was sick. Maybe it's because he got shot by a Bernie bro, this progressive who tried to kill him and other Republicans in, in Congress. Maybe that's why he wears a mask, just for his own, uh, He you know, he might not handle illness as well as others. Uh, these two 20-something young women, I don't quite know. But hey, that's, that's their life. It continues in Oakland. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. Why is condemning Hamas very anti-Arab racist? Why? why? It, would, it would seem to me that condemning Hamas is exactly what you would want because they don't represent you. But if your entire life is based on the oppressed oppressor, you'll notice that we've gone over this a few times over the past couple days in a couple different ways. It's because it keeps presenting itself and one of them will click with people like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, these people are full of crap. And man, are they some hateful sons of guns. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th, including children were killed by the IDF. This is the second time you've heard it in this uh, audio clip. A lot of people have gone over this. Oh, yeah, this was all the Israeli defense forces. It could not have been Hamas. It was all staged. It was a false flag. Turns out every one of these people is actually a blood relative of Alex Jones. It's a false flag. Do I get sued for that? I don't know. I don't know how that, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that, that goes. I'm kidding. Clearly, they're not blood relatives. They're just friends. No, is that still too much? Children killed by the IDF. This is some monstrous stuff. Look at the leaps that people go to. An amendment condemning Hamas is bald propaganda meant to... Thank you, your time is up. To hear them complain about Hamas violence is like listening to a wife beater complain when his wife finally stands up and fights back. Israel's been out of uh, the Gaza Strip since 2005. What is this guy talking about? But you'll notice that he's wearing, well, maybe you won't notice because I'm watching the video and you're not. Um, He's wearing one of those PSL t-shirts. He's uh, wearing one of those socialist t-shirts. It's got the fist in the back, Party for Socialism and Liberation. They're all Jew haters. They're all Western culture haters. Question. Did anyone else notice that those who oppose this resolution are old white supremacists? There's been a lot of atrocity propaganda ranging from claims of beheaded babies to mass rape. Allow me to ask the question. What the hell is mass rape? You mean one rape would have been okay? Three is fine. But mass rape, that's the lie. These people are weird Super weird. It's not a terrorist organization just because the U.S. and Israel um, deems it so. Hamas is a resistance organization that is fighting for the liberation of Palestinian people and their land. So we can now state with clarity that you cannot divide the Palestinians and Hamas because the people of Oakland have told you it's one and the same. Israel is guilty. Israel made it all up. Israel killed its own people. No one got raped. No one got beheaded. No one got burned alive. Israel deserved it. And Hamas represents the Palestinian people. In the same conversation, the same uh, group setting, Israel made it all up and Israel deserved it.
They said both things. And then, of course, reminded you that Hamas is the Palestinians. What in the world does any of this have to do with Cynthia Nixon? Cynthia Nixon is taking part in a hunger strike to push for a ceasefire in Gaza. She joined the hunger strike, joining U.S. politicians in protest, demanding Biden push for a permanent ceasefire, which is, of course, as we've discussed, something going on. And to do this, they're having a five-day hunger strike, but Cynthia Nixon isn't going to, you know, do all five days. She's just going to do two of the days. Nothing could be more wonderfully, gloriously Hollywood than that. A cease? (laughs) We're going to... Call for a ceasefire. We're going to have a hunger strike to do it. But no, not every day. I mean, my gosh. I got to I gotta have some, gotta have a little snack, a nosh, a something. Does a smoothie count as eating because I don't have to chew anything? What if, what if, what if it's so just some baby bok choy? It's small. It's small. Just want a little, just, just a little nibble. I get it. I get it from my friend makes it herself. Oh, it is fabulous. These people. To support, Cynthia Nixon supports the people who want to tell you that Israel did this to themselves, the rape never happened, babies were not kidnapped, and Hamas represents the Palestinian people. That's whom Cynthia Nixon and these Hollywood elitist freaks are supporting. How could anybody be on the side of that craziness? I share this with you as, as, as a reminder of how twisted these people are, how dangerous this is. And yes, this is about Western civilization. It is not just about Israel. And I share this so you've got the, the, the tools to be able to talk to your own kids and your own family, your own people. Look at what they're celebrating. The nuttiness, the madness of it all. But it's more than nuttiness and madness. It's dangerous and it is violent. And if we allow the subversion of honesty, if we allow the subversion of rationality, we are screwed. And and honestly, if that's going to happen, I ain't going to let it happen from Cynthia Nixon. Not my type. And I'm not just saying that because she's a lesbian and I'm straight. That... I'm saying uh, I, 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 I like I like it. I, I like women who um, don't side with genocide. I'm old school like that. Always have been. Uh, always, always, always going to be. It's just just the way I roll. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Took my thumb, Charlie. You see, see any chance you get to use the Pope of Greenwich Village, I think you should use it. In the case of Jonathan Taylor of the Colts, they didn't take it, but it's injured. Two to three weeks, according to Jim Irsay. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? JMV joins us, 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. He is the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, I, never mind which thumb, all right, right thumb or left thumb, what in the world happened? And this is the kind of injury that takes surgery and you miss three weeks? Well, I would just keep Arthur Fonzarelli out for three weeks with an episode of Happy Day. I don't know. Hey. Um, you know, 
again, I can't, uh, and I can, and I won't question it. It just, man, it, it, it's just, this is a tough time right now, Tony, to be missing two to three weeks. In particular, you got these these games coming up with, you know, obviously National Sunday and then the Bengals, you know, AFC games coming up here where you're in the thick of things in the postseason. Even with Zach Moss, his ability to back up and obviously what we've seen production-wise this season, this is a tough time. I, it, far be it from me, and I'm not going to do that to ever say, hey, just take that thing up, rub some dirt on it, and go out there and play. But – I, I will say this, if you're going all the way to Los Angeles to see the best hand specialist in the world, evidently, uh, to do this repair, man, two to three weeks also sounds a little bit light to me, especially considering you're you're following the Colts, and normally things are a lot worse than they are better in terms of this. Hopefully not, but we shall see. I broke it down, and, and uh, producer Jonathan, who works my morning show, has his own sports podcast, noticed that the last play of Jonathan Taylor in the, in the game against the Buccaneers, where they won 27-20, in the second quarter, uh, he was out for like 10 minutes and all, all of halftime. Right. So yeah. he didn't have a run after like the beginning of the second quarter. But the vast majority of his yards happened in the second half. So right. when did the thumb injury take place? Well, here's here's what I've done with detective work. You go back to the radio network, and Lara Overton, who's the sideline reporter for the Colts radio network, uh, had a quick update in the second quarter talking about how those on the sideline, the trainers were looking at and wrapping up his hand. And if you remember, Tony, that is where we were kind of wondering, because you were texting me at the time, and I was in the press box, we were wondering what has happened to 28. Where's 28? And then after he got that done, the trainers looked at that and wrapped his hand up. He went back to standing up on the sideline. And I remember going, all right, if 28 standing there, he's got to be ready to go. That was the point in time when Gardner Minshew was throwing it all over the yard, and we were wondering why, uh, because the success could be there with running the football. But that's what I have hard-targeted at some point in the second quarter, but you're right. I mean, he was going to the second half, and which which I think begs the question uh, that many people have: Is this something where, and again, far, far, far be it for me, I'm not a doctor, anything like that, hand specialist, whatever. You know, if you could just wrap this thing up and go, um, if you're believing maybe because you have this done, you can get him back quicker than what you thought. I mean, maybe that's some of the thought process going in. But there is a great deal of mystery surrounding this. And nothing was said after the game either. I mean, all those guys are in the locker room, you know, and just kind of talking as they normally do, interviewing as they normally do, and nothing was said about it. Nothing was really known about it until Ian Rappaport hit that right um, as of uh, yesterday. And boom, there you go. Well, now let me ask this question. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach Moss gets $1.2 million in 2022. He was due $1.4 million in 2023. How quickly does he get a four-year deal worth $22 million? <laughs> From somebody else? Oh, you don't think he's <laughs> I mean, going to get it? You don't think yes, the Colts have proven they else. need a serious backup who can actually do the job? No, no, he is. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to be he'll, – he'll be fine. But I thought what you're bringing up is the fact – that now you're thinking you want to have an adequate backup. And certainly you know if you're with the Colts, anybody around here for that matter, you're going to need backups because ultimately somebody's going to be injured. But this probably will up 
the amount of money that he could get on the open market, which would beg the question, if you wanted him back next year, would you be able to get him back next year with all that he has shown production-wise? So I think that would be within question, and that's what I presumed you were going with that. That Well, uh, and I said four years, $22 million, which would be $5.5 million, uh, a year. He's going to get more than $5.5 million a year? I, I bet he's making himself – well, it also depends on this. Now, Tony, this Colts team is going to be in the spotlight here. They're the seventh seed right now in the AFC, making some noise when nobody thought they were going to. So now you're under, you know, a bit more of a spotlight than you've seen all season long. So if he has, you know, a hundred yard performance plus, maybe a couple of those, and let's just say, for example, hypothetically, they don't miss a beat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to get more money someplace else. And also keep in mind that it depends on the spot, but it is also still a position where people consider you can draft third round, third day type of guy, and these guys are a dime a dozen. But he has the potential to make himself some money here, continuing to do that and do so under under a spotlight that he hasn't had so far this season. Yeah, the culture and wrap him up more money here or someplace else. The culture wrap him up right now. JMV 93.5, <laughs> 107.5, the fan, the voice of sports in Indiana. I appreciate you. This is Tony Katz today.